The Old Testament lesson for this Holy Trinity Sunday is from Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly, heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, the third chapter, beginning at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for the training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And out of respect for Christ, we rise to hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Jews answered Jesus, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, and yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your, fa your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message as we celebrate the confirmation of these three young people and also as we observe Holy Trinity Sunday is taken from 
these very familiar words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is our text. In the name of the triune God, dear confirmants, family, friends, and brothers and sisters in Christ. Today is Holy Trinity Sunday. It's the one day in the church year in which we usually confess what is called the Athanasian Creed. The Athanasian Creed is a Christian statement of belief that was written around the 4th century, maybe about 360 A.D. It's been confessed by Christians throughout the world. The Athanasian Creed confesses our belief in one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here is just a short sample of the Athanasian Creed. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such as the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. Just as there are not three uncreated or three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. In the same way, the Father is almighty, the Son is almighty, the Holy Spirit is almighty, and yet there are not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there are not three gods, but one God. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Spirit is Lord. And yet there's not three lords, but one Lord. Now I'll stop there. I won't continue reading on with the Athanasian Creed, for to do so would take a few more minutes. And I could guess that maybe some of your eyes were beginning to glaze over. In fact, you might even find yourself a little bit relieved that I'm not going on with it, because you may have found yourself wondering, huh? I don't understand these words that you're speaking. In fact, you may have mentally checked out because you found the words confusing and technical and even abstract. Well, this portion of the Athanasian Creed speaks of God who is transcendent, who is eternal, who is infinite, who is omnipotent, who is majestic, who is one God, and yet who has revealed himself as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To say that the doctrine of the Trinity is mind-boggling is an understatement. The psalmist expresses the glory and the grandeur of our God this way. We heard it in the Old Testament lesson. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, for you have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, when I look at the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yes, why in heaven's name would the God of this universe, whose glory exceeds the heavens, who transcends our understanding, why has he given any thought to his human creation? Why would he care about the plight of humankind? I mean, surely this almighty, majestic, glorious God must have more important matters to deal with in the universe than us. And yet the Bible tells us that God rejoices in his inhabited world, and he delights himself in the children of men. I mean, God is delighted with his human creation. We are the pinnacle of his creation. Like nothing else in all of creation, we are the ones who reflect his image. Our God is not an abstract, distant, absentee deity. Sadly, many people today believe that God is hiding, and they think that he's remaining aloof from the things that are going on in this world and in our lives. But nothing is more opposite to the truth. God wants to know each and every one of us, and he knows each and every one of us. He desires to have a relationship with everyone, with all the people of this world. And God acts to make this relationship with him happen. Now speaking specifically to the three conferments, January 6th and April 27th in 2008 are important dates in your life. No, people, this is not the day that they were born. This is the day that they were reborn. For Daphne, January 6th was the day that she was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it was April 27th that Hayden and Kevin were, were, were both baptized as well. Yes, it was on that day that you came to this church, this sanctuary, and in that baptismal font, at the hands of Pastor Blaine, you were baptized. Pastor Blaine took water in his hands and he said, I baptize you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And at that time, God placed his name on you. You, like all believers in Christ, bear the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's name that you bear tells us who you are. It tells us what he has done for you. It tells us what he is doing for you. And it tells us what he will do for you. We are baptized in the name of God the Father. That's why Jesus says when you pray, pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your heavenly Father is more engaged in your life than even your parents are. Your Father created you to be the unique, special persons that you are. 
Your Father provides everything for you. Your Father in heaven has given you your body and your soul, your eyes and your ears and all parts of your body. He's given you the ability to reason and to use common sense. He is the one who provides you with food and clothing and shelter. He's the one who provides you with family and friends, with education and recreation. Your Father provides you with everything that you need to support your body and life. Your father's love for you never wavers. Daphne and Hayden, you are his daughters. Kevin, you're his son. That's who you are. And don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. You see, you are baptized not only in the name of God the Father, but you're also named, baptized in the name of God the Son. Our Heavenly Father hates sin. He hates sin because our sin separates us from him. God doesn't deny our sin. He doesn't ignore our sin. He doesn't overlook our sin. He doesn't excuse away our sin, nor does he take pride in our sin. Instead, our father sends his son to die for our sin. Yes, God himself, the second person of the Holy Trinity, becomes a human being so that he might destroy the work of the devil and reconcile us to God. God's son has many names, doesn't he? He's known as Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's known as the Alpha and the Omega. He's known as the Word. He's known as the Good Shepherd. And the list goes on and on. In fact, in the gospel reading for today, we heard Jesus say that he is the great I am. And at his birth, God's eternal son was given a very special name. He was given the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. He's the one of whom it is written, there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. What God's Son did for you and for me and for all people when he entered into this world so that he might bear the wrath and judgment of his Father for our sin is truly incredible. Jesus did mighty works and wonders and signs, but he did so much more. Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of his Father, being crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity, was willing to suffer and die for our sins. He endures the wrath of his Father on our behalf so that we never have to endure that wrath. Later in this service, we're going to sing a hymn, a song written by Phil Wickham called Living Hope. It was requested by one of our confirmants. But listen to these words as, as Phil Wickham expresses this wondrous love of our Lord and Savior Jesus. He says, who can imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. When you were baptized in Jesus' name in 2008, 
you receive not only God's forgiveness and God's salvation as a gift, but you also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As St. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And why should you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Well, Peter says, because it's for the forgiveness of your sins. And also because you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise, Peter says, is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so you're baptized not only in the name of God the Father and in the name of God the Son, but you're also baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, you undergo a metamorphosis. You who were once spiritually dead are now a living creation of Christ, walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Oh, you will remain a sinner all the days of your life. That is, until the day you die. But as one who now has the Holy Spirit living in you, you don't take pride in your sin. You don't excuse away your sin. You don't rationalize away your sin. But instead, you humble yourself before God, and you repent of your sin daily. And you cling to the cross of Jesus Christ, trusting that your sins are forgiven by the shed blood of God's Son. As someone who now has the Holy Spirit, who bears the name of the Holy Spirit, you live in the freedom of knowing that you don't have to make a name for yourself. For you possess the name above all names. You possess the name on you of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As one who has been baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, you realize that you can't always change your circumstances. But as a redeemed and loved child of God, you can change your perspective, focusing on the heavenly things because you are a child of God. And what I mean by that is you do not, therefore, focus so much on what is impure, but instead you focus on that which is pure. You concentrate not on what is wrong with your life, but you're thankful for what God has given for it to you in your life. You don't become upset by what you lack, but instead you're thankful for what you have. You don't complain about the bad and the wrong in this world, but you look for the good that God is doing in this world, and you join God in doing that good. And instead of being annoyed by people, you see people as people whom God loves and whom he sends you to love. As one who is baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, you recognize that even though you're a Christian, you will experience troubles, hardships, heartaches. You're not excused from the problems of this world. In fact, because you're a Christian, because you bear the name of, of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you'll probably find that your life is even more difficult than those who don't bear that name. When God places his name on you, it's like you receive a target on your back. Satan is relentless in trying to draw you away from Christ. The sinful world is antagonistic towards you. Your own flesh is always tempting you to sin. And yet as God's loved children, we know and we live by his promise when God says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There will be times when you'll find yourself paralyzed, emotionally paralyzed by fear, and overwhelmed by self-doubt and anxiety. And yet as a Christian, you can say with the confidence of St. Paul, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And when you're baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, you do not receive a spirit of timidity and fear. But St. Paul says that God gives you a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-control. You see, as one who now bears the name of the Holy Spirit, you make it your priority to strive every day by the power of that Holy Spirit who works in you through God's word to do the things that make your heavenly Father proud. And so you listen to his word. You put his word into practice. You serve as he serves. You love and forgive yourself and others even as God loves and forgives you. And you proclaim the good news of God and Jesus Christ. As Martin Luther says in his large catechism, it is our duty in every way to behave as good children so that he may receive from us not shame, but honor and praise. If you've ever watched the Toy Story series of animated movies, you'll know that a reoccurring theme has to do with the importance and the value that toys place on having their owner's name, that is Andy's name, inscribed on them, and in permanent ink, no less. The aging, worn-out toys fear that they will be replaced. Every Christmas and birthday that Andy celebrates is met with apprehension as the toys worry about being substituted by a slicker, newer hip toy. And in Rex the Dinosaur's case, he's afraid that he might be replaced by a more ferocious dinosaur. The annual garage sale is dreaded by the toys because they might become next month's garage sale fodder. Their fears are often calmed when the toys are reminded that they have Andy's name scribbled on them. They belong to Andy, and they can rest in that assurance. When you are baptized in the name of the Spirit, God places his seal of ownership on you. St. Paul writes, God has put his seal on you and has given us his Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Again, St. Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Daphne and Kevin and Hayden, you were sealed when you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like God scribbled his name on you. And that implies ownership. God owns you. And your father says to you, as he says to me and to others who are baptized in his name, you are mine. And it's God who gives us our identity. It's God who grants us his love and forgiveness. It's God who gives us purpose and meaning in our lives. There's a scene in Toy Story when Buzz Lightyear comes to the realization that he's just, quote-unquote, a stupid little insignificant toy. 
Buzz resigns himself to his imminent doom, but Woody reminds Buzz. He says, whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a space ranger. Look over there in that house. There's a kid who thinks you are the greatest. And it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You're his toy. There are times in our life, maybe almost every day, when we think of ourselves as that stupid little insignificant sinner. And we resign ourselves to the imminent doom. We have trouble loving ourselves, and so how in the world can God love us? And yet, our baptism is a reminder that we are God's treasured possession. And he's not going to discard us because we're some outdated toy. God is not going to replace us with some slicker, newer model. We're not going to be garage sale fodder because the owner has lost interest in us. No, we have been sealed. We have been stamped. We have been imprinted with God's name. God owns us. He values us now and forever. And so to paraphrase Woody, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa there. Hey, wait a minute. Being a child of God is better than anything else than you can be. Look, I mean, the God of this universe thinks that you are the greatest, the best. And why? Because you're his child. That's why. You're his child. And so, yes, remember your baptism, and you'll see that God has scribbled his name on you. And it's not in permanent ink. It's actually written in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Kevin and Hayden and Daphne, when you were baptized back in 2008, the following prayer was spoken over you. And it's still our prayer for you today. And so I conclude the sermon with this prayer, because this is our prayer for you. We humbly implore you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that as they have now become your children, you would keep them in their baptismal grace, that according to your good pleasure, they may faithfully grow to lead a godly life to the praise and honor of your holy name. And finally, with all your saints, obtain the promised inheritance in heaven. And to that, all God's people say, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit always be with you. Amen.